John chapter 14, and we'll just read a couple of verses there for our introduction. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now in the fourth verse, he tells us the way, and then we go into, I am the way. But we'll stop at verse 3. Let not your heart be troubled. That's the theme and the title of my message, No More Heart Trouble. I remember reading a story some years ago about a man named Bekir, I believe that was how you pronounce his name, it's Turkish. And the story went that he was pretty much an easygoing, happy-go-lucky type of guy and a bit simple-minded as well. The family wasn't sure if he somehow got damaged, you know, brain damage during the war or he was just born that way, kind of slow, kind of simple. And his job was to take care of this villa. He was the gardener. And so as the story goes, he went about his duties every day, you know, watering the flowers and the grass and just kind of an easygoing guy who did apparently a very, very good job at what he did. He lived behind the owner's house in a shack. And the only thing that he had in life besides the family that he worked for was one stray cat and the kittens that she had had. And every day he would take some food scraps from what was given to him for his meals and he would feed these kittens and take care of this cat. And this apparently was just his life, doing his duty, gardening and so forth, and then just taking care of one stray cat. And then one day, the woman of the house gave him an order to get rid of those cats, because in her mind, she said they could be carrying the disease. And he disobeyed a direct order. He did not get rid of that cat, did not get rid of those kittens. He just refused to, he was so attached. One day he went behind the shack to his little residence there and all the cats were dead. They had been poisoned by the woman of the house, the owner. So the fact of the matter is, this man didn't die from some disease that we know as heart trouble or anything else, cancers. He died of a broken heart. And that story, I read that some years back and I think it's called Healing for the Heart, Mehmet Oz, one of his earlier books. And I always remember, having read that, the connection between the mind, the brain, and the body. One is related to the other. I have to say that in Western medicine, they've been very slow to come around to this connection. It's either a pill, a procedure, or a knife. And there was a day, decades and decades ago, when your doctor might just say to you, you know what you need? You need to take a couple of weeks to go to Florida. Or They understood that some things were just simply called by stress. Anyway, Dr. Oz tells that story in his book, and there is something, I'll read you just a couple of quotations, short quotations, there is something known as the broken heart syndrome. As I said, Western medicine, in my view, has been very slow to come around. As a matter of fact, in the book, Healing for the Heart, that's what Dr. Oz talks about, how slow he was evolving into the fact that the brain, the mind, and the body are connected, that one affects the other. And that some people, for instance, it's been known for some time, a connection between heart disease and depression. That's been known for some time, but they just don't know why. And I'm not here to explain what I believe, but just to see that how we think, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
But the Mayo Clinic and the Cleveland Clinic, both outstanding heart places where people go, experts teach there and operate there. Let me just read you just a couple of quotes. And this is Mayo Clinic. Broken heart syndrome is a temporary heart condition that's often brought on by stressful situations and extreme emotions. The condition can also be triggered by a serious physical illness or surgery. Well, this is the Mayo Clinic. People with broken heart syndrome may have sudden chest pain or think they're having a heart attack. Then the Cleveland Clinic states, strong negative emotions like depression, anger, and fear have also been linked to heart disease. I don't know, for me, it just seems academic that that connection should have been made a long, long time ago, that how we think in our head, you know, it's anger, it's fear, it's hatred, and it's bitterness, all of which, by the way, is in our Bibles, is affecting our body. For example, when you're angry, there's a constriction of your blood vessels. And when you look at the vessels of the heart, they're very small. I mean, in comparison to the main artery here running down your chest into your stomach, the aortic artery, they're small. So if they're being constricted, and American diet, Western diets we know are not the greatest to boot, and so there's some occlusion in there, and the vessels are getting restricted, well, it doesn't seem to take too much for me to think it through that, yeah, there's a connection between how we think, how we feel, our sensations, and our physical health that can lead to heart attack and stroke, as we just read. Do you remember just a couple of years ago when Carrie Fisher passed away, actress and writer? The very next day, her mother passed away. The son reports that what he believed his mother died from was a broken heart, that the stress of her daughter's sudden death was too much for her. So you had the mother and the daughter dying 24 hours apart. Just to make the point that there is something that is medically acknowledged as broken heart syndrome. Yet Jesus says here in John chapter 14, in verse 1, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe in me. Now, a little bit into the message, I want to share with you that stress is necessary for our life. We don't grow without stress. We don't grow without physical stress. We don't grow without stress that's on the mind, the brain. I keep saying mind and brain, they're actually separate entities. In the mind, in the brain, you need stress. We always try to avoid it, but it's not so much that stress is harming you as much as it is how are you handling it. In any case, Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. And I bring up that point to say, he never said, in fact, he points out very clearly that the life of following him is not going to be stress-free. We are like water. People are like water. We always look for the path of least resistance. And there's other studies that have been done as well that talk about the need for stress. And this may be hard for you to fathom, that a lot of us need more stress. That's true. Not the kind that you're thinking of. Distress. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that we've become very soft. Physically soft. Mentally. And then, of course, spiritually. That we need stress. We need more stress of the right kind. And then we have to handle the so-called wrong kind of stress. It's going to come. Can't stop it. So you're going to have to know how to handle it when it comes. And so I'm thinking here, you know, Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Now, I just started out today asking you for prayer for me. I'm having a hard time seeing the text. I'm having a hard time seeing you, which may be a blessing, but <laughs> there's always a positive way to look at it. And you have to do that. You have to turn it. So let's go over a couple of things here that to me are basic, basic things. 
and for those of you who do watch the Oasis broadcast that I do for people who have anxiety and depression, I repeat over and over again on that broadcast a couple of things. First of all, I keep repeating the brain-body connection. Control what's up here, because 90% of what's going on in your life that you don't care for is won or lost right here. How you feel, that's different. Feelings come and go, just like the weather. But how you think, that's in your control. The other thing that I accent on that broadcast is training. Constant training yourself, training yourself. Because by training, you build up habits. In this case, obviously, good habits. Train yourself to have good habits. Bad habits are hard to break. Yeah. And if you built up any kind of bad habit over years and then decades, they come back. Good habits take a while to form, and they're easy to break. Let me give you an example. If you're not an alcoholic, or for that matter, a drug addict, and you hang around people who are, it's much easier for them to induce you to become alcoholic or to drink or to do drugs than it is for you to get them off. This is why, like even in counseling, you have to be very careful that what is called in psychology in counseling, there's not a transference. You're dealing with a lot of people and you're listening to their troubles and trying to help them and all of a sudden, before you know it, you're carrying their burdens. Now, let me just address that really quick. You say, but Pastor, isn't that what we're supposed to do in Christianity? And Galatians chapter 6, it says, yeah, bear one another's burdens. Then immediately following that, it says, I'm paraphrasing, everybody is responsible for their own burden. So it seems like a contradiction like we have in Proverbs where it's flipped back and forth. But it's not a contradiction. It means that I'm supposed to help you with your problem, always keeping in mind that it's your problem. You can't talk to Americans like this anymore. Uh, so I'm not saying you necessarily or those that are watching but so whiny and soft. So they find the churches that will enable them, which is a horrible thing when you come to thinking of what Jesus talks about concerning sin, not just, you know, a bad habit with whatever, overeating or something. I'm talking about enabling people to sin. That's not good. In any case, you are responsible for your life. Here's the expression we all know. Time flies, and it's so true. Time is going so fast, so quickly. That's the, I guess we could say that's the bad news. Good news is that you're the driver. You can't necessarily slow down time. I think there are ways to actually slow it down. Slow the tempo just like a drummer. But you gotta finish somewhere and the song is moving along. And you are the driver of your own life. So let's look at heart trouble. I'm not gonna explain obviously cardiovascular disease. I'm gonna just explain to you what spiritual trouble is. Because you may not recognize it. You may be, as I mentioned in the Bible study, you've read so much in the Bible that you already, you're ahead of me in this message. You already know where I'm going to go and you already know these things. But I'm going to share with you that you may not know as much as you think you know. That's the secret to learning the Bible. I am telling you, after 45 years, the more I look at this Bible and the more I study it, the more I realize how much I don't know. And I'm going to say to you that that's how you really know that you're starting to learn. Because you're looking at the Bible and you're saying, how did I miss that? How did I miss that? How did I miss that? I've read that a thousand times. How did I miss that? And you start to go deeper. You realize how much you really don't know. So it humbles you. We went over that on Wednesday night. To share with you about the brain-body connection, to share with you what is heart trouble when it relates to your spirit, this is a really great book. I've recommended it to you before. The author was a medical doctor. S.I. McMillan, None of These Diseases, written in 1963, published again in 1984. 
And then his son-in-law, David Stern, modernized it for the 21st century, right at the, the year 2000. So you can get that book. And look at all the things that these doctors, two of them, bring up. I like the original version, S.I. McMillan's book, more than I do the updated version. But it's a good book, and it relates what is happening in the world and what God had already said. You see, one of the real problems that we have is that there's not an implicit trust in this book and what it says. So we kind of try to mix the Bible with teachings from television and whatever. But nothing mixes with the Bible except itself. It doesn't mix with anything else. You have to accept these statements. Let me read Jesus' words again. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it. That implies that you play an active part in how much anxiety are you going to experience, or for that matter, depression. It's come on you. You say, well, I'm depressed, Pastor. And I say, yeah, I understand that. And you say, I'm anxious, Pastor, and I understand that too. But having had many years' experience, I'm telling you, you still are in control. That's the way out. And so in the book, S.I. McMillan, he explains a story of a woman who comes in and she has a lot of distress. You go to your physician for physical illnesses primarily. And they examine this patient, thyroid's normal, it's not anemic, blood sugar's normal. And she's told by these doctors who are Christians that your problem is not physical, spiritual. That the root of your problem is spiritual. And so the story goes on. She's about to lose her job. How can we afford Christmas presents? And how do I find a new job? And how am I going to pay the mortgage? And the worries go on and on, just like you. And if you want to try to trick me and say, I don't do that, you're really talking to the wrong pastor. I've got way too much time in this business. I know my trade. Not just I don't know Bible verses I can spit them out. I know people. And I know that you do the same thing. Maybe not all of you, but it's a lot of you. You say, Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. But this very day, you come in here and your heart is troubled. I went to bed preparing this text, feeling great, and woke up not feeling so great. But I won't say that my heart is troubled. Worst that could happen to me here, which would be very dramatic, is if I died in the pulpit. No, it won't be messy. I'm not going to do anything to myself. I'll just plop down and be gone. That would be what we Irish call the humor of it, telling you not to let your heart be troubled, and I flop on the floor dead. Well... Let's pray it don't happen. So here's a woman who, no matter what she's told, your problem is spiritual. She just goes on, how am I going to get a job? How am I going to pay for the mortgage? And, you know, I don't want to say that we all do it because the training that I just mentioned to you a couple minutes ago is all about not doing these things. It's learning how not to do these things. It's learning how to withstand the pressure, withstand the stress without getting hysterical, without spinning off into, well, hysteria. Without getting alarmed or super alarmed, just deal with it as it is. So the story goes on. She reads this verse, Psalm 37, 4. Trust in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But she still worries, just like you. Let not your heart be troubled. You know, what you want to think to yourself right now is this. How much of this will I actually practice when I get out there? Again, if you watch the Oasis, a little 15-minute broadcast, I constantly accent training, training. If you don't do what the book says, it doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do you any good. Well, again, they have discovered, and I think, again, I'll say it one more time, a bit too slow for my liking, that the spirit, now remember the Bible accents not just soul and body, but spirit, soul, and body, but we won't go into that today. We touched a little bit on it Wednesday. The spirit, soul, and body, that they're connected and one affects the other. And according to the Bible, the deepest part of man is not his physical body and his physical ailments, but the spirit of man. 
then the soul, we have the intellect and the emotions and the will, then the body is last. It seems academic to me, A, if you trust the Bible, B, if you just think things through a little bit, one affects the other. And the most important is what's going on inside you. And so there's this connection, and I'll just give you a very loose explanation, which most of you understand. Let's talk about stress. Whatever your stress is, and this is the reason you hear me say so frequently, I'm telling you this, and it's getting to the point where, you know, I'm having a hard time now reading the news. Left or right, you know what? It's getting to be too much. Trying to read the news just to find out what's going on around the globe, and there's a picture of somebody wielding an axe, and this is what's going on. And honestly, emotionally, I just shut down. I just say, you know, I, I get the picture. See, I'm a preacher. I have an advantage. I have a pulpit. You have an advantage. You have a Bible. So I don't need to know every gory detail. I've already got the picture of what's going on in America, what's going on inside the church, what's going on in the world. Now I want answers. And I'd like to provide you with answers as well. So that's how it is for me, at least. My threshold is starting to get lower for all of this stuff. Because I know that the answer, as John D. Crouch wrote many years ago, Jesus is Jesus. Jesus is the answer for the world today. But not just some song that we sing. Not just some superficial reading of a text. Let not your heart be troubled. Yay, that sounds good. But Jesus meant what he said. Don't let your heart be troubled. <laughs> Don't let it. You play a part. Uh, I'll just say one more thing, if I may. Don't ever say to me, well, you don't understand, you don't know. Because I do. Like Newton wrote, I've been through many dangers, toils, and snares, and I've come through with some experience. Have I experienced everything? No. But I've heard everything and experienced quite a lot and learned quite a lot. And I've learned not to let my heart be troubled when it's leaning in that direction and to say, no, it is what it is, whatever it is, but I'm not going to get hysterical. I'm not going to allow myself to get overly emotional. And as I told you this once before, at least once before, I'll tell you a little story of a wisdom I learned when I was first born again. I was in radiology at the time, an x-ray technician, had a patient in my room, an old black gentleman, as we were talking, I don't know, maybe he saw my Bible laying there, I forget how the conversation was initiated, but here I am talking to this older man, at the time I'm 25, 26 years old, and he was a man about my age, maybe older at the time, and I had a lot of questions when I was younger, and so I decided to ask this older gentleman this question. I've listened to Christian radio back then. I used to listen to it all the time. Now I don't. And this is the reason why, because I learned it a long time ago. I said, I listened to the Christian radio, and let me just illustrate this way. This preacher says, left, left, left. And the next preacher says, right, right, right. And one preacher says, it's time for us to stand. And the other preacher says, it's time for us to sit. And another preacher says, we got to lay down. And the other one says, we got to stand up. And the way my mind works, it became confused. So I said to this older man, I said, you know, I just get confused by the radio. And I remember he just kind of smiled and turned his head. And he said, oh, not me. I was really waiting for some huge revelation of how he avoided what was troubling me at the time. He said, I don't let it confuse me. I just shut it off. <laughs> and you think to yourself, I thought to myself, why didn't I think of that myself? You say, oh, the news is always got me so angry. Then turn it off. You already know enough. If you, look, if you're a news junkie, you've got to know every detail about every senator and all that stuff. Live with it then. I don't need to know. I even forget exactly who's in office, except for the people who are always in the front, the media. They're always the loudmouths, not all of them, but I mean, so many of them because they're dramatic. They sell newspapers. They sell the television set. They're the reason that we sit there and watch and pound our fingers and get all upset, and all of a sudden the stomach's hurting, the palpitations. Why? Because it's getting implanted in here. 
and it's affecting here. Now we're running to the physician's office and they can't find anything wrong. You say, but my stomach is killing me. My stomach is hurting me. Well, there's a connection between the brain and the body. When your body is producing stress, hormones, cortisol, and all these different things, epinephrine, norepinephrine, all these things are coming down. Well, it's designed for a moment or a day or a week, maybe, but it's not designed to be there every single day. As these stress hormones are building up in the body, the body's starting to get sick. It's not designed that way. Are you like the woman who runs to the physician and your physician says, your problem's not physical? And by the way, I've never had a doctor tell me that. Not once, ever. When I was convinced when I left the office that my problem is emotional, it's spiritual. And apparently now Western medicine is catching up to what the Bible says. Think about the verse where God promises us in Exodus 15, 26, from where the title of the book comes from, I will put none of these diseases upon thee. That's the one that I claim. Even when my body is telling me otherwise, some may say that's a fact, but I'm not going to let it spin me off into a tailspin because I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. You see, that's training. That's not just quoting a verse. And I can't emphasize this enough. There's a huge difference between being able to quote a verse because you're intelligent and maybe have a great memory, if not a photographic memory. There's a great difference between saying something and actually being able to do it. To actually be able to stave off the bad stress and say, well, it's there and I'm feeling the stress, but I'm not, not, I'm not going to let my heart be troubled and I'm not going to let it be afraid when you're tempted to be afraid and your heart is tempted to be troubled. I don't know. We do this every once in a while and I say, don't raise your hands, so don't. But I mean, is anybody in here, you know, you come in today and you say, I don't have a care, I don't care in the world. I don't have a problem. I cannot relate to you. And when I used to hear these preachers when I was young say, basically, not in so many words, I don't have any problems, I've got faith. And I always was wondering, what was I doing wrong? And so I try harder and try harder and try harder. And then, he, you know, this one guy I'm thinking of, he always preached from the exact same text for 40 years, the same text. And I would say to myself, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? Everything goes well. He's got money. He's got health. He's got this. He's got that. And I got troubles and troubles and troubles. Until I read the book. Well, I was reading the book at the time. But I always assumed that the guy who had all this experience knew more than me. You know what I found out? He didn't. I found out that so much, by the way, if you take the time to look at it yourself, you're going to find out that the experience of so many of these people in the Bible, whether it was with their wives or husbands or families or kids or everything, wasn't all that great. I was following the Bible, but I wasn't getting the results these guys were getting on the radio or television. And I found out that what was happening to me matched more closely what was written in this book than what they were saying. So when Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe in me. This is where I'm at. That's where I started, signing on for Jesus, not for somebody's tradition. I already had my own. I was raised in a traditional form of Christianity. I had my own. I'm not accepting somebody else's, but you give me Jesus. You have my attention. Because as far as I'm concerned, Jesus trumps every single denomination on the planet, Christian denomination on the planet, every single one. You'd be surprised how much business goes on in politics. Politics. They say, oh, come on, Pastor. I'm telling you, I've been there. I've watched these guys, top guys, the guys that are known around the world. I don't mean the guys on television either. I mean the denominational guys, and they politic for their position. Sometimes in the church world, loosely speaking, not the church world, loosely speaking, in the church that we call the church, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And that's true. I've seen that too. I auditioned for a singing part. 
<laughs> I should have picked up on it, but what was actually happening, we were in a little small meeting, so could somebody sing tenor? And I said, well, I, I can. And then another guy raised his hand, yeah, I can. And then they gave me a shot at it, but I didn't quite know the song. I said, well, I can learn it. We don't have time to have you learn it. And they gave it to him, but see, he's one of the good old boys. He's still one of the good old boys. I should have known. This wasn't about who can sing better. This is about he's one of us, and you're not. I belong to Christ. I belong to Jesus. That's all I really wanted anyway. What is in your head is going to affect your body. But that's the heart trouble we're talking about today, and it's what Jesus is talking about. Not the cardiovascular system, the cardia, the Greek word for our cardiac, our English word, deep inside the depressions and the anxieties and the worries. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? You know, if you're in business for yourself, I'm going to tell you something. Now, I've been working alone for a long time, a long time. And you know, business, Christian businessmen, the principles that I run the church by are identical to how you should be running your business. I really respect Chick-fil-A. I've never had a Chick-fil-A, but I respect them because they're Christians and they say, we close on Sundays. You know how much money they must be missing because they close on Sunday? And someone's pounding on the door. I can see them now saying, where you want a chick? Well, go over to the other place and go get a chick. But we're closed on Sundays because it's the Lord's day. And I respect people who do that because, again, they could make much more money and that, well, you know, the Lord understands. And all of a sudden, what are they really doing? They're counting the bucks. And what is the Lord doing? He's testing the heart. I think you already get the point. There's a connection between the mind and the body, the brain and the body. You don't control what goes on in here other than diet and exercise, but things come. Diseases come and germs come and whatever. You don't control that. You control what goes on in here. And you must be able to accept this, that Christ was not only a healer back in the day, as the theologians, some theologians tell us, well, you know, I don't listen to them. I do what the old man told me. I just turn them right off. I'm reading their book. I just say, well, okay, this is far enough as I'm going. Because Christ is still the healer. Amen. He can heal the body. He can heal the soul. He can heal the mind. He can save us to the uttermost. Jesus is the healer. Now, the second thing is, why do you have heart trouble? Well, at least in your case, I don't think that this is the truth for you here. But it is for many people. It's just a lack of knowledge. You really don't know what the book says. But let me say it again, but in your case, it's not knowing what the book says, it's not doing what the book says. So you're gonna clear your old, uh, somebody called me, uh, an old friend called me the other day, a trailblazer, which was a compliment, by the way. And I don't see myself that way, but I will say this to you, if you're gonna go blaze a trail that's different than the one that Jesus said, it won't be good. There's a man, was a man, by the name of Ignaz Semmelweis, He's actually the man who discovered how infectious diseases are transported in places like the OR. You see, if you went to Vienna back in the day, 19th century, the days of Semmelweis, and you go to Vienna, you're in the premier spot on the earth for the cutting edge of medicine in the 19th century. And in the obstetrics, here's your doctor who's delivering your baby, but what was troublesome in the hospital was that the rate of death at birth was very, very high for the women. They were dying, giving birth and dying, giving birth and dying. Semmelweis began to think things through and to look things through. So here's what was happening. A doctor is delivering the baby. The other woman who died, had to, he's all through. They're doing an autopsy. 
and looking through to see what they could find. Another woman's due. Go back to the woman. They were washing their hands. No gloves. No gowns. They were neglecting the principle that we find in the book of Leviticus. If they would touch the dead body, they were unclean for a short period of time, but they were unclean. Well, we don't do that anymore. We just go from the baby right over to the autopsy, right over to shaking hands, right over to do whatever we want to do. But it was Semmelweis who noticed, and he came up with this idea. They had some of the doctors washing chlorinated water because he was suspicious that the one common denominator that was there was dirty hands, filthy hands. And just so I don't forget it, what are we constantly told today? Yeah, and because we are Americans, nobody tells me what to do. Now listen to me. I don't care what side of the spectrum you're on. Stupidity is just plain stupidity. And in my view, well, we have one side is a lot more stupid than the other side. But from my point of view, there's a lot of stupidity on both sides. Washing your hands is biblical. So Semmelweis came up with this idea. See, these women were dying what was called labor fever, which is a type of blood poisoning. It was a blood poisoning. Touch baby, touch cadaver, touch somebody else, labor. And one out of six women were dying from what they called labor fever. Semmelweis figured out what was happening is there was a transference of germs from the dead body to the living mother, and they were dying from blood poisoning. But I want to just tell you this, too, because it's so true of human nature. If God selects you and you say, oh, I'm so, you know, God has shown me some things here, and I'm going to be a trailblazer, and I'm going to be out in front, be prepared for this. You're not going to be the flavor of the month. As I told you this Wednesday with Avi Loeb and scientists saying, we wish this thing never appeared in the universe. What kind of scientists says something like that? I thought they were all objective. Humans are humans. They wrote book after book after book about the universe, and now somebody says, I think we need to question the Big Bang again. And they say, I've written too many books, made too much money, I have a reputation. Don't you know who I am? I'm Dr. PhD, DDD, DDS, BBB, blah, blah, blah. And I will not, and I refuse, and I wish this thing never happened. What a scientist is that? That something else is now in the equation and we've got to redo the math, so to speak. We should be having scientists, doctors that are looking back and saying, wait a minute, this changes the equation a little bit. Well, Semmelweis was so ridiculed, they wrote papers against him, that he's a quack and he's this and he's that. He had a nervous breakdown, they had to put him in a mental institution. That's where he stayed for the rest of his life. And in a very odd twist of fate, something happened to him while he was in the mental institution. And he developed an infection and died from the very thing that he was trying to prevent, was blood poisoning. It's kind of strange. Look, at what are you really saying here? I'm saying that if I let the Bible speak for itself, I'm going against the tide of so many popular preachers and teachers. In any case, Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. You're destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6, I gave this to you a couple weeks ago, so I'll just read the verse real quick. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, and so on. Wow, you can't tell Americans that. Truncate that verse. Amend it. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, but not you guys. You guys are great. Come on, give me a... The truth is, the church may be swelling in certain places with a lot of people, but if you notice, and I've said this to you for all that you've been with me for many, many years. I've been in this city for 35 years. It's not working. Well, look at the streets. I'm old enough now to see how things have gotten worse. Where's the church? Where's the salt of the earth? Billy Graham, one of his last messages to America was, was repent. Where are those messages? Where are the messages where the text just says what it says? The Bible just says what it says. And where are the people that comply? Oh, you say, but pastor, that's hard. Well, I tell you what's even more hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. 
To break God's laws is harder than to well, stand in this pulpit and just say, this is what the book says. Let not your heart be troubled. You ready for that? Well, you're going to have some resistance, first from your own self. There may be people around you that are going to assist you in bringing more anxiety on your life. Trust Jesus. Amen. Trust Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, Amen. our faith. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. Very present. That's the adjective used in the King James Bible. Very present help in trouble. Are you in trouble? Good news. God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. That's a scene. Which, by the way, we're seeing some of this happen around the world. I'm getting prayer requests from Pakistan and other places, going to help the people with the floods. And dear Lord, it's happening in America. Floods, mudslides, all types of these signs that I speak to you about frequently that are saying to us again and again, Jesus is saying, look up, look up, look up. Your redemption is getting very, very close. Look up. If we don't know what the trouble is, and if we don't take the time to look here in the book to see what the answer is, well, you become your own worst enemy. Let me just talk to you today about stress. And again, many, I won't say all, medical experts agree we need stress. The way we talk is, I just want to live a stress-free life. It's like, I don't know, it's like going to the gym and saying, I want to get big and I want to get strong, but I don't want to lift weights, I don't want to do push-ups, and I just want to hang around here and, you know, eat a box of donuts. <laughs> I was finishing a part of my workout and I was taking a little rest and sitting down and I was watching other people work out and I was just teasing with the trainer. And I said, you know what I just discovered? It's easier to watch you guys work out than for me to work out. Because <laughs> the body has to be stressed for it to be strong, physically. You say, you know, we hear this of older people, oh, my mind is going. And yet Albert Einstein and others did some of the best work in their later years of life. What's the difference? Oh, it's genetics. Not necessarily, not necessarily. You have to exercise your mind. And sitting in front of a television set for 12 to 15 hours or on the social media, and we say it was all young people. It's not all young people. It's a lot of older people. They spend the whole day. And I said, dear Lord, I couldn't do that. You know, I'm just giving advice here. Read something that's really difficult that you really don't understand. We'll start with the Bible. And stretch your mind. Older, young, stretch your mind. Tackle something that's difficult to do. Because the mind, or the brain, the body, and the spirit grows through stress. Now, you come in here today and you have troubles, and I know that. Why do I know that? Because everybody's got them. I'm not speaking prophetically, it's just common knowledge. Everybody's going through stress. And it's going to keep on coming. Oh, that's bad news. You can't say that either. I tell you today, if you buy this CD, I was so anointing that, uh, anointed that day, I've never felt the anointing the way I felt it that day. And for today only, $99, you take this tape home, <laughs> and you touch it, and all the stress will be gone forever. And that's what these jokers do. Sand from the Middle East. I looked at a bottle of water, one that you probably drink and I probably drink. Well, I was drinking it that day. I just happened to be reading the label, and it says it's triple filtered water. And I showed it to my wife. I said, we have a reverse osmosis system in the house. I've had it for 22 years now. It's the same thing. 
I can bottle my water and sell it to you. I said, wow, this is great water. Yeah, it is. It's filtered water, but it's no better filtered than the one I have in my house. But when it's sold by someone who's sharp looking and eloquent and they have a couple of testimonies of people's lives that were 350 pounds, now they're 155, when they got abs, you're going to drink the water. And all you drink is the same water I could offer you for free. Buy this CD. I remember this joker. He's probably still doing the same thing. I never felt the anointing though at that day. And I'm telling you, every house in America needs this tape. I never bought the tape. I don't need it. I got the Bible. I've got Jesus. Who are these jokers? Well, what I'm trying to communicate to you is it's not stress. It's not me saying, you know, touch the hem of my jacket. I've seen that too. Um, handkerchiefs. I have a handkerchief here. I have one in every pocket of the pants. And then selling them to you. Because during the crusade, I had, you know, the anointing on me, and you're paying money. Where's the money going? For a handkerchief. Well, it's in the book of Acts. Yeah, it was in the book of Acts. So it was Peter's shadow. But we don't have the shadow anymore. It's silly. I'm not saying it didn't happen. That was miraculous. But it's not repeated all over again. They're con artists. And they draw a crowd by saying, this is how you live a stress-free life. Well, let me tell you this. If you're living a stress-free life, you're a blob. <laughs> Mentally, hopefully not, but morally and physically, you're just a blob. It's not stress. Stress is coming your way whether you like it or not. It's like just asking the enemy, please don't attack us. They say, okay, fine. They're going to attack you. Well, it's not the fact that stress isn't coming. It's the fact that you have to handle it when it comes. That the problems that we're developing in the world, mostly the Western world, I think, well, no, in the world in general, is we are mishandling stress. You need stress to grow. You need stress. Let me share with you now, in Romans chapter 5, and I'll put it to you this way, that stress is actually part of God's plan for your life. <laughs> if I had named the tape something like, God's going to give you more stress than you have today, no one would buy it. No one would buy it. Who's this guy? Who's this guy? But the other guy, you know, he, he didn't say that. Stress, troubles, is actually part of God's plan for your life. Romans 5, verse 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation works patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope makes not a shame. Now, couldn't have God just kept the Apostle Paul from all of that? Yeah, but he didn't. Couldn't God have kept you or me from all the different stressors in our life? Yeah, but he doesn't. All these things, let me read them again. Tribulation works patience. Patience gives us experience. Experience gives us hope. Hope makes us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So there's an acknowledgement now in, again, medicine, that stress is needed in our life. We need stress. Dr. Douglas Klebler says, to be happy, you need to feel a little stressed. It's human nature to thrive when you're challenged. Sometimes you overshoot, you do too much, you get anxious. Sometimes you don't try hard enough and get bored. It's a constant adjustment. I like this one here. Unstressed people get bored, irritable, and depressed. Unstressed. So you're a blob. You're a blob. And this author says, maybe this happened to you once when you spent a long weekend vegetating in front of the TV eating Cheetos or whatever people eat. And what happens? You become a blob because there's no stress. Now you say, oh, well, that's not me. I got plenty of stress. Okay. How are you going to handle it? Because you're going to have it. 
When I was a young preacher, I never heard one speaker on the platform that was at some seminar I went to that was not successful. Now we introduce to you Pastor Blah Blah, who in just one month has 100,000 people in his church. Let's give him a hand. And I'm saying, wow, what does this guy have that I don't have? And then I discovered nothing. It happened. God blessed him. Maybe he was making it up. Not once. In all those examples was someone that said, I'm here to tell you how I failed. I mean, I don't want to ultimately fail, but I could relate to that because I failed. Have you ever failed? Have you ever tried, like, giving it everything you got and you failed? Have you gone back at it again and failed? A third time and failed? A fourth time and failed? I tell you, read the biographies of successful men and women in life in general. They've all failed. And some of them really big failed. What did they do? Like the old song goes, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and start all over again. That's what makes a person successful. And not only monetarily or otherwise, but then there's something built inside you. It's called character. I worked for my uncle for some time. He was a cop, lieutenant. He had side businesses in construction and different things, and fencing was one of them. Naturally, you know, he's going to put me at the position that's the least favorable job for somebody to do, and I was the post hole digger. Post hole diggers, back in that day, before, you know, they had, it was just the old, like this. I don't know how many hundreds, but it was a lot. This fence going all around this big yard, and I got to dig the holes like this. <laughs> then you hit a root. What do you do when you hit a root? <laughs> and you're fighting this thing. And, uh, you know, you're struggling. And I remember my uncle would come over and says, it builds character. <laughs> the last thing I want is just to have character build. I want to get a machine to go and go home and get paid. That's what you want. That's what we all want. That's not how life works. That's not how life works. You're there like this. And when the business starts to grow, your family, whatever it is, something is built inside you too. It's called character. And people recognize it when you can walk like you have a cape on. I'm not saying wear a cape. I'm saying you can walk like you have a cape on. You can't have your cape flying in the wind when you walk on like this. The cape has got to be draped on your shoulders and you walk with your head up and your shoulders up. And it's built through stress. And it's how you handle the stress. So what do we do? Let not your heart be troubled. Now that's just a threshold. That's the doorway. Now we open ourselves to all the promises of God, the instructions of God, prayer life, all these things. And I won't go through them today. We cover them enough. We open the door when he says, now don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me in my father's house. There are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you and I will come again. I will come again. Take your Bible and use it as a type of prism with an M, prism. And everything that's going on in the world, you bring your thoughts through the Bible. Now, forgive me for this in advance. And I'm not even saying that I'm totally right when I say this. I'm just saying this is me. I really don't mind talking to women who whine. I know a lot of you ladies are pretty rugged, you're pretty tough. But it really bothers me to hear a man whining. <laughs> Forgive me, it's just a personal thing. But I do know in the book that says, and I'll paraphrase it, be strong and act like a man. Well, how can we act like a man when we don't even know our pronouns now? <laughs> I fill out a survey because they promised me $100 of free stuff which I assume is coming. It's a good deal. I'll fill out a survey and I get $100 of free stuff. And your name, Raymond Barnett, gender, male, female, or other. Will you think about that? Male, female, or other. What in the world could other possibly be? 
If my dog had filled out that survey, he would have put Buddy the dog. <laughs> Male, female, or other. Now, if I had checked off others, this is problematic. I'm just saying, just, I ask for your forgiveness. I just don't like when men whine. <laughs> right? I mean, I hate to relate to movies. I don't really quote them much, but remember what happened with the singer there and when he met the Godfather? God the Father. It won't be long before they'll be censoring that too. You don't go and act like a man. Act like a man. And you know what? When you're really feeling down, act. Throw your shoulders back. I just told you I'm asking for your prayer. I expect it. I'm standing up here not feeling my best. I could have just called in. I ain't gonna stay in bed today. Which sometimes you have to, but you act like a man. Do what you're supposed to do. But it ain't easy. Can I add one more thing? Ladies. I know that you work hard. I really do. For those of you who are married, you know, and you got this and that. A man works from son to son, and a woman's work is never done. I know that. But if you think being the head of a household, being a father, being a husband, in my case, being a pastor as well, is easy, you think again. My wife has a very difficult job. She's been a great mom, a great wife, all these things. My job isn't easy either. And I'm going to sit there and say, I know, sweetie, <laughs> it's very difficult. Because I'm ready to bust sometimes because of the pressure and the stress, but I'm not going to. You know why? Because the book says, act like a man. Act like a man. Be a man. How are you going to handle the stress? Women have a certain type of stress. Men have a certain type of stress. But because we're all Christians, male or female, we have to handle the stress correctly. And we have to act like men, and we have to act like women, and that's what we're called to do. God is taking us out of our comfort zone. You say it was the Democrats. They say it was the Republicans. I'm saying it's God. God is shaking the bush, and you see what's going to come out. God is squeezing his own people, as he's done in the past. We'll see what comes out. And like a sponge, that presumably if you have water in it, you squeeze it, and the water comes out. When you're squeezed, we see what comes out. That character that's been built, that was formed by stress, produces Jesus. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. How do you view the world? Through whose eyes do you view the world? Who's the greatest influence in your life? Who's influencing the way you think? I'm telling you, let God influence your thinking. Run your thoughts through this book, and you'll find out that so many things you're going through aren't even to compared to what the people who wrote this book went through, and then there's some others as well. In any case, let not your heart be troubled. Someone asked me this question. They're troubled when they were talking to someone about raising children, and those things trouble me too when someone's giving a goofy answer. But I learned this principle. Knowledge is knowing what to say. Wisdom is knowing whether or not you should say it. Some things just let it go. Don't let it bother you. Don't let it stress you. In any case, God will build you up. God will build his church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Lord, we just bless you today and we thank you. I'm thinking of the verse now that says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Help us today, Lord God. Help the men to be men and the women to be women, not to mix it up. 
Help us today, God, not to expect that the rest of my time, if I believe in God, I'll have no stress, as some of these false teachers tell us, but rather that it's the faith that will drive us through and keep us going, keep us strong. Help us today, Lord Father God, to be able to bless you at all times and let your praise be continually in our mouths, not just when we feel good. Help us to always bless your name. Give you all the praise. Give you all the glory. Lord, today, help us to put this to practice and train with it not to let our hearts be troubled and not to let them be afraid. You're coming again. We see the signs. Help us to keep our heads lifted up for our redemption is getting very, very close. And keep us, Lord, as you said you would. We can walk away and get outside the gate. That's what we choose. But help us to know it's smarter to stay, wiser to stay real close to you, especially in this hour of history. Stress is coming, God, our way. Help us to handle it correctly and let it build us. This week, Lord, remind us to love you with all of the heart, all of the soul, all of the mind, and all of the strength, everything that we have. Then as we turn to each other, help us to love one another. We'll give you all the praise. We'll give you all the glory. We'll give you all the honor today in Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen with me today? Amen. Amen.